Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Esoterics Podcast. This is Fiorelise. This is Joe, And we are back in part two of You Picked Your Parents and Other Things We Have a Hard Time Understanding About Reincarnation. All right. There's a lot to cover, so um, we broke this one up. Okay. So let's start out with talking about children. Okay. Okay, so children who choose their parents are some of my favorite past life explorations. Yeah. And then also vice versa, but mostly when the kids come through and they're like, I picked her because I, it's my favorite. I Aww. love it. Yes. So most of my parent clients, um, they want to know the origin of the soul contract with their favorite kid. And, you know... <laughs> Everybody has a favorite kid. You know, um, this kid is the one that they are the most strongly connected to. I, I know parents love all of their children, but there's always that one that they have a very special connection with. And even if they can't admit it out in public, they can admit it in the in inside the Akashic Records. And they always do. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny. Um, the reason, though, it's because you're typically, you're reincarnating with each other lifetime after lifetime after lifetime because you trust each other, you love each other, and you've developed a really strong bond um, over time. Um, but mostly it's about trust, that you trust this person to be able to, you know, um, help you along your path. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, the other day I had a client who has a very special connection with their youngest. In this lifetime, the client suffered and overcame addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, but their youngest also struggles with addiction. So there's some guilt there. They feel bad. Like, you know, if I hadn't been addicted, then they wouldn't, you know, but it's the youngest is like, you know, a young adult. So it's not like they're children. Mm -hmm. Um, now when I opened the soul contract and I asked about the origin of their relationship, um, spirit showed me a past life where the mother was the addicted one and the son was the caretaker. The son was coming through as like, um, like a father, a father figure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in this lifetime, their roles switched. Um, the, um, their reincarnation cycle has played out over several lifetimes, and it's going to continue to play out until one of them chooses a different path forward. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's an element of like spirit guide tough love here. And this is when it gets interesting because this parent is also nurturing a brand new relationship. In this relationship, if you if you know anything about me personally, it's like the relationship that we all dream of, that we all want, right? It's, yeah. yeah. Um, it's filled with love, prosperity, freedom, fun. Um, but this guilt and this codependency keeps pulling um, the parent-child um, back into the same old soul cycles. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, even though the lesson here is to love unconditionally with compassion, the lesson is to eliminate codependent tendencies, you know, you got to cut the cords. Yeah. So that's hard. It, we talked about that in part one, right? A little bit like I can't imagine like you have to yeah. cut the cords on some of these relationships because if you don't. It's yeah, it's going to keep, it's going to keep perpetuating. It's going to keep draining you. Yes. Um, so the parent was reminded the, their spirit came through, their spirit guide came through and said, look, your child is a fully grown, conscious, and capable soul who is simply experiencing life in the body of a codependent and addictive. That's their experience right now. They have their own life path, their own purpose, their own team of spirit guides, their own goals. One of them is to come out of that. Um, and those spirit guides are going to help them maneuver that path. So the weight does not fall solely on the parent. And that's what she was, that what they were doing. They were taking the weight on um, themselves and saying, well, I have to be the one. No, the soul uh, has okay. to. And interesting, and I remember as I was delivering this message, I was like, fuck, spirit. I mean, that's not an easy decision to make, you know, to yeah. tell your child to clean up or get out, you know. Um, yeah. I can't imagine how difficult that would be. Yeah. I know. Sometimes I want to make Sophia sleep outside. <laughs> she can't clean her room, but. <laughs> oh my God. She's the messy one. This, 
And if she is, I miss you. In Furley's, I wouldn't call you a neat freak, but everything has its place and nothing, and you don't like dirty messes. Yeah, I don't. Um, and <laughs> Sophia is the typical, the atypical or typical messy teenager. I mean, I am not uh, bothered by, I, I don't really like mess either, but I walk in her room and I'm like, girl, what <laughs> is this? Oh my God. We love you, Sophie. Yeah. So I went into her Akashic record um uh months back and we uh we went into why she picked me as her mom. And in her I guess like recent incarnation, she had parents who basically disowned her. Oh. And what? they just they they didn't understand her and she was like she was a free spirit and she was it was like the 70s and she was like wanting to be a hippie and stuff and her parents were like no no like we don't yeah and so they just like basically just cut her off oh Aww. and and i was her i was her best friend and so she chose me to be her mom the next life because she wanted to have a mom who would always be there for her i love that and you're like in your soul was like well i gotta have kids anyway come on yeah yeah mm -hmm. and it almost felt like i've always felt like she was like it was like a rush to bring her in right it was like as soon as i could have kids it was like come on yes <laughs> and and as she gets older it's harder for me to remember that she is my daughter and that she isn't you know like my just my friend or or you know or only supposed to be my friend or whatever mm -hmm. that she is first she's my daughter and i'm just like oh like i like you i really like you as a person but like sometimes as a kid like you get on my nerves right <laughs> right well and she's very independent too mm -hmm. and um yeah and her room is her room and you know um i mean i get it because yeah. you know but still at the same time you know. Yeah, and the discipline part is has been hard for me because I'm not like, um, my because of how my mom was with me, like super strict and 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 very mean and toxic about the way that she would parent me, that like I didn't want that for my right. children, but I can almost travel to the full extreme of that of like not wanting to discipline right. because I'm like I don't I don't want to do it mm -mm. that's hard right <laughs> and the yeah. lesson that she learned from you is also you're learning a lesson from her and that lesson mm -hmm. is you know maybe balance and moderation and you know who yes. knows what yes. they are but um there I love the the um this is my favorite topic of why we pick our parents mm-hmm mm-hmm so, yeah, so I'm telling this spirit, I'm like, you know, that that's that's hard, you know, but then spirit says, you know, to the parent, like, um, you know, you have to cut ties at some point in this lifetime because there's so much at stake. So that seemed to be the big message is that, look, there's a lot at stake here, a brand new relationship, which is pretty much her dream relationship. And so, you know, and this relationship with your codependent child has fucked your life up over and over and over many lifetimes. So what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, and now in other contracts, I've seen the child be the light of the parent, giving them purpose. Um, this is particularly true for parents who gave birth to a disabled child. Um, and then they spend the rest of their lives just joyfully caretaking. Um, mm. The adult child can also be the caretaker in the relationship and feel a sense of joy in that purpose as if they knew that they were born to specifically take care of their parent in their old age when the time came oh yeah my, i have a great aunt who did that was was that um she never got married she never had kids she spent pretty much all her adult life caring for her mother mm -hmm until she passed and then she never yeah she never got married and then never yeah. went and found her own life or whatever no yeah no yeah was she mm -hmm. was she happy and content with that i think so i don't i haven't spoken to her about it yeah. i think i would like to speak to her yeah. about it yeah um because 
a lot of times um, people that that's their life path or their purpose. That's also their mindset. Like they're very content with it. There are plenty of people out there. And I've said this before, like, I'm like, you know, I want, I want a, I want a connection. I'm ready for a relationship, right? I can't imagine not wanting that. And there are people that are like, I'm happy being signal. I don't want another person in my life. I'm happy. I'm fine. And I'm like, yeah, well, that ain't yeah. me. Yes. So it, it does. People are born with this sort of innate sort of peace about, being I would that yes talk to your aunt I would love to hear that answer yeah I would yeah I'll find out. so one of my clients um she is a client in her late 50s um and she has spent her life caretaking others um and she had recently lost her mother just just a couple months ago and so she booked with me to explore her next steps right? She's like, she's in her late fifties. She's like, you know, for the first time in my life, I have no one to care for what's next for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and the cool part is, is that her mom immediately came through and her mom said, um, because her mom left her with a nice chunk. She basically left her with financial freedom. So she, this client never needs to worry about money. And her mom says, um, and I'm going to quote this, actually, this was, um, a channel. She said, you have spent your whole life living for the care of others. Now it is time for you to live life for yourself. Go have fun, travel, adventure, worry about nothing and find your joy. So I read so many next step messages from spirit. Um, I'm sorry. I relay so many. Everybody wants to know what are my next steps? What are my next steps? Right. In most of them, 99.9% of them involve work. You got to do this thing, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. This one was simple. It's simply to have fun and enjoy life. That's it. That's all she has to do. That's what the rest of her life is, is to have fun That's and sweet. enjoy. She's got the money for it. She's got, and she's got all these really cool interests that you wouldn't expect her to have. Uh-huh. Um And yeah, that's all she gets to do is just go and enjoy life. You've done your work and now it's time to have fun. Isn't that the coolest? That's the best. Yeah, right? (laughs) I want that to be mine. Can that please be mine? (laughs) All right. So anyway, within that parent-child-soul dynamic, um, sometimes we are simply the recipient of unconditional love in order to heal our karmic lessons. Okay, so that's another aspect of this child um, parent child dynamic Um, for instance loved ones who've passed over can come back as the children or grandchildren of their loved one in order to balance karma and you hear that a lot you know Uh grandpa died and he came back as little jimmy right yeah all of that stuff right and it's simply to balance any karma any unfitness business that grandpa had or Mm -hmm. if grandpa wasn't able to experience unconditional love now he's able to receive it. So Mm -hmm. a good example is a parent who is physically, emotionally, or verbally abusive. They die. And then they come back as the child's own grandchild or or child. And this is an opportunity for the reincarnated soul who was unable to give and express unconditional love. Well, now they get to receive it in another way. They get to experience what it feels like to receive love unconditionally. Um, and so this is actually what balances karma and then heals their soul wounds. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah. Like That's I said, sweet. kids are my favorite one to get into because there's so many different aspects of it. The next one is a trigger warning, uh, miscarriage. Um, miscarriages. Yes. Are typically pre-written. Regardless of the reason, whether it's medical, accidental, you know, physiological, psychological, whatever. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, and this one is due to free will. Sometimes souls simply change their mind. Because yeah. when, a, when a baby, when, when, when you become pregnant, okay, for instance, we'll, 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 we'll bring Uh, little miss Sophia into it when you were pregnant with Sophia and you would feel her kick and all those things you're like oh she's in there but then there were times when you wouldn't feel her because she wasn't hanging in your stomach the whole time I mean that's cramped hot you know what I mean souls are like (laughs) fuck that they're off doing their thing 
I remember the first time I went to the beach, she was like cooking it like crazy, like what the fuck's going on? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, right? It's too bright. So, you know, sometimes they just simply change their mind, right? Life on Earth is the most difficult existence to experience in our galaxy, in our universe. And it's a big yeah. deal to incarnate on this planet. Um, it's like a rock star yeah. thing. And it's very, very tough. It takes courage and tenacity. And sometimes souls are just like, man, fuck this. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. Um, you know, and those babies can be stillborn. But other times, a miscarriage is simply experiential. Mm -hmm. So that just means in order for the soul to experience all aspects of the birth and death process, they've written into their soul contract a miscarriage. My legs yeah. are tingling and spirit is telling me that this is correct. Um, and interestingly, both the souls will experience it as a baby and as a parent. So, um, I don't know if there's any data out there, but it would be interesting to talk to, to, um, you know, people in the know. Um, mm -hmm. If women who experience miscarriages, if their mother also experienced a miscarriage as well. Oh, oh. Um, it's like genetic or something. And I know, well, I, I, I know that miscarriages are just very common. Uh, I don't remember what the exact statistic is, but but they are they are very very common um and dolores cannon talked about this too and she said that the way that it was explained is that sometimes the energies of that new soul and the mother's soul just don't match up like right. they just don't match up with each other in that moment and then the the so that that new baby's soul comes in and then leaves because it's it can't it, it doesn't it's not a match but then he tries again. Yes. And so that's why, you know, you have, that's where the rainbow baby idea comes from. Yes. And I, like my whole face is too, my um, um tingling all over. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's like the rainbow baby. It's because it finally, like the energies match and, and that same, so the same soul comes through again. So I, if you've had a miscarriage and you're still trying, don't give up that baby's, mm -mm. that baby's still trying. Like they're going to make it. The baby's meant yeah. to be with you. Um, but yeah. there are, is divine timing and divine order. So remember yeah. that the baby, when the baby's going in and out, right in and out, um, the baby's like, yeah, I'm going to hang out in my mom's belly for, you know, just a little bit, but then I'm going to bounce and go do this thing. Yes. They still yes. have their whole spirit and souls on the other side. So yes. they're still doing their research because they've chosen this person as their parent. But if mm -hmm. during the pregnancy, the mom is abusing drugs or the mom is engaging in um, a brand new relationship, remember free will that, mm -hmm. um, that doesn't serve the purpose of the baby, then yeah. the baby is going to be like, yeah, this, and that's again, where we're talking about that, that they're, they don't vibrate. Yeah. They're not a vibrational match. They're not yeah. a spiritual match. Yeah. So again, um, yeah. you know, maybe the babies come back, but yes. And no, the other thing that the Dolores would, would said was, uh, that they can find their way into your life in other ways. Yeah. Like if it just turns out that your vessel, your body is just, not compatible. It just, it just can't do it. It just can't be, yeah, it's not compatible with the, the, you know, growing a baby or carrying a baby part, um, that they will, that soul will find its way into your life in another way, whether it's through adoption, adoption yes. or, or a niece or nephew Anting. or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, they'll come in in some other way. Yes. They'll be there. They'll, they'll come into your life one way or another. Yes. Uh, um, my brother's firstborn, Amber, I, Amber used to be my baby. In a, past mm -hmm, in a past life. Yes. Oh. Katie, I don't know. I haven't opened up her record yet. I haven't um, gotten into that, but I need to do that um, and open up her record and see. But both of them, I feel very like I fell in love with these kids immediately. And and my nephew, I just never talk about him, but he, I love him. I love my nephew. He's just, he's a boy. He doesn't care about any of this. And we don't really, yes. he's, he's actually deaf. So we can't talk on the phone and I can only um, communicate with him when in person and I never see him. So um, I would oh, love to see okay. him again. Um, but anyway, okay. um, uh, like you said, often the soul that didn't come through due to, for whatever reason, but in this case, it's yeah. miscarriage will later be born to the mother in the form of another baby, um, or adoption or being an aunt or a caretaker or something, right? A step parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The soul was always meant to be 
the child of the mother or the mother of the child. It simply wasn't yet their time. So yeah, the souls will find their way. Yep. Um, okay. So now let's talk about um, how we choose. So this is just sort of the process that I've put together um, based on just my work in the Akashics, my working, working with clients, all the things that I've read. So this isn't coming from anywhere other than my own brain. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> first things first, we choose every aspect of the, our life to support the experience that we hope to have. Okay. So hi, Ruby. Um, so first thing we do is we work with our guides and we look at our entire soul contract, specifically the karmic debt that needs to be balanced and the karmic lessons we most uh, need and want to learn. Um, so we decide what we want to learn and then we look at the best way to learn. Next, we look at our overall purpose and the path that we would take to align with that purpose. Um, that's when we're going to decide like the primary skills and abilities we're going to bring into the world um, or that we're going to activate you know, from past lives or whatever. This is mm -hmm. when we determine our numerology. Okay. Next, we're going to determine our astrology by looking at past life skills, abilities, interests, achievements. We're going to look at the lessons that we still need to learn, the time period that best supports these. And remember, time is linear, so it's a it's an earth thing. But what time period best supports these lessons? We're also going to consider the experiences that we would like to have. And so we pick the stars, we pick the exact moment when the stars and the moon and the planets and everything aligns to give us those traits. Yeah. I, how does that work when like, if you were to choose, like, if I die tomorrow and I want to be reincarnated by some into someone that lived in like the year 1500 on earth, is that possible or no? Because at that time on earth has already passed. I believe it's completely possible because time is not linear. Time is multidimensional. So who's to say that we aren't also, even though you and I are here in 2023, what if we're also experiencing simultaneously a life where we were sisters back in like, you know, 1095, yeah. right? I could see how we could experience life simultaneously. I guess it's just that part of it, like, just kind of blows my mind where I'm like, I don't get it. The because it's not like the population of the past is going to change. Like, you can't change that. So you can't, like, be born into that life. I don't know. It, current, current reality. We can't change yeah. the past in yeah. our current reality. Yeah. But who's yeah. to say that in quantum, in the quantum field, we can't change the past? Who's to say? I mean, sure. that's like, that brings okay. us then to like ancestral healing, because when we heal, we heal for everybody forward, but we also heal the past. So how do yes. we actually heal that past? That's not current linear time. That's fucking quantum. No, no. But that that I that I can understand because that you're healing on the soul level and that soul is shared. That soul is shared with energy. other yeah. with. Other, yeah, it's just energy. So it's shared with other timelines it doesn't matter it's like it's that plasma ball right that that you're you're in the middle so all, all your lessons go back into that middle part and then they come back out so okay. yeah and so again we get back to that plasma ball in the q a coming up yes. the, okay. the plasma ball is interesting because that plasma ball is just one piece of the greater whole so then you start uh -huh. getting into expansion and the whole and all that stuff it's that whole hundred monkey or hundred man theory or it, it's 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 this mm -hmm. weird sort of quantum theory that um i used to know and i haven't repeated it in a while so i totally forgot it but that basically um every universe creates it has to create their own in order to ex ascend into more it's it's, it's esoteric okay <laughs> Okay. That's what we're here for. Uh, I know that's what we're here for. And I'm just like, I just I'm like, ugh, I don't feel like digging into my oh, brain uh, to try to explain it. It's the hundredth monkey effect. Yes. Okay. And it is a hypothetical phenomenon in which a new behavior or idea is spread rapidly by unexplained means from one group to all unrelated groups. Once a critical number of members of one group exhibit the new behavior or acknowledge the idea. So that's like, like mm -hmm. the invention of fire. 
uh, mm-hmm. the invention of the telephone. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so how different people on different parts mm-hmm. of the world that have no communication to each other come mm-hmm. up with the same invention or same idea at the mm-hmm. same time. Right. And so in spiritual terms, um, when every single sentient being in this universe reaches consciousness, group consciousness, then we move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what is it? We don't know. We don't know. Okay. So we're going to work with our guides to look at our, look and see what we want to learn. We're going to create our numerology. We're going to create our astrology um, to give us all our traits and personalities and skills and abilities. Um, we're going to look at the best way to achieve those goals. Um, and that's when we get into our human design, right? What's our strategy? What's our authority? How do we best, you know, um, manifest all of those things? We then look at gender, race, geographic location. So now we're going to deepen that um, avatar. Um, remember that old souls tend to reincarnate in geographies that are more socially advanced, like Finland and the Netherlands, you know, that have like universal health care and that sort of stuff. Old souls don't have right. time for our bullshit, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Young souls tend to go for more remote tribal areas, um, you know, and then the other souls fall someplace in between. You know, and that's mm, like okay. the U.S. We're someplace in between. Um, we then choose our avatar, our physical appearance, and how we'll influence, it will influence that human experience that we want to have. Um, and this also plays an important role in choosing our parents. Um, you know, well, of course, you know, you're going to choose parents that are going to give you that physical, um, you know, the race that you need and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Where would star seeds maybe incarnate, do you think? Star seeds are souls just like you or I. Same souls, right? So yes. star seeds are simply souls from another dimension, another universe, a whole mm-hmm. uh, another cosmos. Yes, yes. Or who have incarnated on other on other yes. planets, other cosmos. The majority uh-huh. of their lives are spent incarnating in another dimension, we'll just call it. Uh-huh. Dimension, yes, plant, yes. whatever. They specifically yes. come here to this universe because this universe is in the process of ascension. We're going through an awakening, a global awakening. So uh-huh. star seeds come in like specialists, like I'm going to help. The other day I met one, I was in, I was getting some fa and um, the dude was checking me out and I asked him, or he wasn't checking me out. He was checking me out. Like I was paying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At the checkout I stand. I verify that because he was like 20. <laughs> but, um, but he was he was taking my payment and I said to him, I said, do you believe in the concept of star seeds? And he said, well, I know a little bit about it because of the talk. Right. Um, uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, you're you're a star seed. And he got super fucking lit up and he's like, tell me more. Tell me more. And so you know, I shared <laughs> with him a little bit. But yeah, like you I don't know about anybody else, but I as soon as I meet one, I'm like star seed. There you are. Hello, Starseed. I like to tell them why they're here and what they're doing. The ninety, maybe men, many of them probably think I'm crazy, but I don't care. <laughs> well, no, I feel like they're they don't. I, I feel like they don't. They Most they're the on they board. Don't. Yeah, because it's like you. They there's a subconscious inkling that they already like kind of already knew, but they just needed you to confirm it mm-hmm. for them. That's what they need. And they are, they're very open. You can identify them by um, their eyes. Their eyes are clear and big and not alien like, but just look at their eyes. You just know there's just a sweeter, more pure soul there. You know, um, what they are is just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soul. Yes. Um, and you can see that in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And they do tend to have clear eyes, though. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some brown eyed starseeds out there, but they tend to be very clear. Okay. Now let's talk about why we might choose to have the experience of being murdered. So negative experiences are the result of free will, unless they aren't. So that means you can be murdered as a result of the decision or free will of another, or you can die as a result of karmic debt, um, which would be choice. Um, it could very well be written into your soul blueprint, or it could be a free will decision of another. You know, we truly only find out during the post-life death review. Uh-huh. Whenever I've asked about murder, um, this the the soul always tells me 
the concept of murder and justice is a human construct. It has nothing to do with spirituality. That's, that's all they care to tell me about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one of the reasons, um, that, um, that you might be murdered or, or murder, um, is to balance karma. Maybe you took the life of a soul in a past life. Um, listen, humans have been fucking savages throughout history and each of us has been on the giving end of brutalization. All of us. Yeah. I have several past lives. I have one where I was an executioner and I think I've mentioned him before. He was uh, dumb, d just dumb. His whole life existed to execute people and torture people. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you desired the experience of having your life taken from you. You know, why, why, why would we want that? The goal of reincarnation is experience. Like I've said, um, it's like gold to the soul. Um, who then takes their specific individual experiences and shares them with the whole consciousness, God consciousness, source consciousness, whatever. Why? Uh -huh. This is what we were just talking about. Who knows? It's the next phase of our journey that we haven't yet been exposed to, but my theory is the one that makes logical sense to me. It was the hundred, what'd you call it? The hundred monk, the hundred monkey. The hundred monkey syndrome. The hundred monkey syndrome. And so basically... Um, and I did channel this, so I have a little more cohesive answer for you. Um, each universe is a separate consciousness who must create in order to involve, to evolve. To do that, consciousness injects part of itself into the physical 3D organic sentient beings to gain experiences and knowledge that a consciousness cannot. Insert quantum physics, and it all gets way too esoteric for my, esoteric for my brain. <laughs> okay. But when I access the Akashic records, I do get these cool little glimpses of profound knowledge from like the guides that I channel. So when you channel a spirit guide, you're getting the information that they want you to, but you're also blending with their energy. So it does give you a little glimpse into, oh, fuck, there's some serious bigger picture shit going on here. Yeah. And yeah. that's what it's hard to put into words because it's more of just a knowing. And so we just have to trust, have faith and remember that we are not tossed on earth without things like a purpose, a plan, an explanation, a guide to help us master this, you know, and a strong connection to our higher self or source energy. Um, you know, uh, we just have to learn to access those tools using our physical body and our intuition. And that's my purpose to help people do that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Death day. Let's talk about death day. You get to choose your death day. Mm. All right. So again, this isn't something that they give me a ton of information about, or they have given me a ton of information about over the years, but I do know that it is possible that people do choose the day that they depart. There are very uh -huh. specific reasons for it, um, and they typically involve the same thing that we choose the day that we're born. Um, mm -hmm. You know, astrologically, what's going on? Karma's been balanced. You've reached the end of your contracts, whatever, right? Or even the physical body is just given out. So, yeah. you know, before we come into being, we choose exactly how and when we're going to pass. Um, and some people will choose different demises for different reasons. Um, and, you know, it can be just fun, right? For a race car driver, like Paul Walker, you know, one of my favorite actors, he died, um, you know, going a hundred miles an hour in a Maserati or a Ferrari or whatever, burnt to a crisp, beautiful man, burnt to a crisp, um, you know, but he chose to go out, you know, like yeah. that, um, you know, um, all of my freaking favorite celebrity crushes. I tell you what, when I found out Jeremy Renner was in the hospital, I said to the universe, if you take him from me, I'm, I, you're dead to me. <laughs> God damn it. They took Chris Cornell. They took Jeremy Renner, Paul Walker. They took, um, oh, who else did they take from me? And I was like, what? Why are you taking all of my men? Yeah. Chris right. Cornell was hard for me. Um, uh, Robin Williams. That was like, that just felt like just such a huge loss to society yeah. is what that felt like. That was just the saddest yeah. thing. Yeah. I have a hard time with that one still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They um, can't touch, they, they can't touch Jeremy Renner or don't even try taking Jason Bateman. I will riot. Oh, Jason Bateman. I, I like you. <laughs> Freaking love him and his self. <laughs> He's like an America sweetheart. He really is.
Um, okay. So yeah, I'm not going to get into big, there, there just isn't a ton of information out there, but I will tell you that I asked spirit one time, um, if they would show me, um, you know, give me an indication of, you know, when I would die or how I would die or whatever. And they showed me in this beautiful Adirondack chair on the beach, um, when I'm like 92. So basically I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention from the previous thing about picking your, the way that you die or whatever, I think it's important to recognize what people do with their grief or their pain. Um, and how, cause I just, just from listening to murder podcasts all the time, right. You hear these stories of these awful victims and how they were you know how they were taken but how what their parents do with it or their loved ones do with it or do about it and um they they build foundations they change laws like there's massive changes that happen in society sometimes because of one person's death and and so and, and i'm not saying like that's why that person died. I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that their family made that choice to make something meaningful out of it and to, to not let that person just die with in vain, you know, not let their memory just be a memory like that. They foundationally made a difference because of their loss. That is a fantastic perspective and absolute wonderful point. Also, it is actually like, they can make a soul contract. I'm going to come to you. I'm mm -hmm. going to be born to you. And I'm going to John Walsh, for instance, you're going to lose me. I'm going to be kidnapped. And then John Walsh goes on to create this amazing, you know, um, Amber alerts and Adams alerts and all of those things, right? It changed the way that child abductions are handled and, and looked mm -hmm. for. Um, I mean, and even in your instance, right, your dad made a contract with the doctors. Um, yeah for his, you know, death to give the doctors an opportunity to practice their skills or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I totally believe that deaths are written in um, as a means to further others on their soul blueprints and their paths. Yeah. Okay, let's do Q&A. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, thank you for those of you that uh, gave us feedback and that asked questions. We we love this. We love your engagement. It's so fun. It's so fun. So our first question comes from Teresa. I've heard conflicting information on how long most souls wait for before reincarnating. Maybe it's just that it's different for everyone, but I've always wondered about that. I don't believe there's a time frame. Um, some old souls are like, I'm not going back for, you know, for... A yeah. certain amount of time, young souls are like, I got to get back. I got work to do. Um, mm -hmm. I believe that it has to do basically with the goals of the soul. What is your goal? What are you meant to learn? What karmic debt do you have? Now is a great time for people to incarnate because um, like the younger generation, they're here. They're going to make some serious changes on this earth. They're going to help with ascension and moving it forward. Old yeah. souls, like some of the boomers that are leaving, they're like, no, they did their job. So they're going to be out of it for a minute. So, mm. um, it, I don't, I've never heard that there is like a set time frame or whatever. I think it's just personal choice, free will. Yeah. Uh, and so, so the point being is that, so, yes, yeah, some people will come back, they will reincarnate on earth and some won't. Um, I think a good, like, things to reference is like notice like Teresa Caputo's readings when she like when she reads for someone who's had a small child that passed and that small child will say like I'm doing well I'm a grown-up I'm a police officer like they're keep they kept living their life so whether I obviously they don't give like timeline in that but that means that they obviously reincarnated rather quickly like on our what we perceive to be our timeline and they're just going about to live their life and especially i see it because it's a small it was a small child it was a young soul mm -hmm. or or it was a soul that didn't experience a long life on earth so they you know they're back to try it again yes and for those of you wondering how somebody who has already reincarnated can also come through as spirit teresa's connecting with their higher self and the higher self is multi-dimensional as well so um, yes. you know, that's how I can connect with, um, 
children who are nonverbal, um, people that are in comas, um, that sort of thing. I'm connecting with their higher self. I'm not connecting with, you know, obviously them. So. So that actually answers the next question, which was from Valerie, which was, it says, I guess I wonder how someone can be watching over me if they are getting reincarnated. Is time so different on the other side that it could ever make sense how that could happen? Yeah. And also reincarnation isn't um, a thing that you have to do. Um, souls have the, because of their free will, they have the ability to learn their lessons and grow and ascend on the other side. And some souls mm -hmm choose that. Some souls are like, uh, you can't get me to earth to fucking save my life. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I'm down. Yeah. yeah. And other souls yeah. are like, let's go, let's do this. So yeah. reincarnation isn't a necessity. Um, it's yeah. just a faster path to enlightenment. Yeah. I feel like, like my dad, um, will probably not incarnate, uh, until we can all incarnate again together. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I don't it know. does. Yeah, he's he. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there goes there's there goes my legs. He is enjoying the access that he has to you in yeah. spirit that he did not have to everybody at um, the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jess asks, she says, I get fucked up about how time isn't real and there are likely multiple realities happening at the same time. And then thinking about death and reincarnation chronologically. I mean, the idea of a soul waiting feels weird unless it's just our perception of waiting or that it's all happening at once. Okay, well, that was a lot. But then she goes on yeah. to think she may need to stop smoking pot because then it causes her to ask these questions. And I say, <laughs> and I say that's never really the answer, Jess. But Fee has no, a better answer for fine. you. You're fine. Yes. So I answered. Uh, this visual came to me through a session with mushrooms. And this is what because mushrooms have explained to me time and soul contracts and all this relational stuff, especially timeline things, because the time thing messes me up. And so they showed me the plasma ball. So if you ever played with those, it's the one like the museum, right? And you put your hand on it and then these like little like energy spikes will spike towards and it your, makes hand. your hair stand. But up. essentially, yeah. So essentially you're you're the center, you're the core, but also thinking of that energy source of the center that's also like everything it's also all of consciousness it's like it's it's god quote unquote it's universe it's source like literally source so all those little filaments of energy all of those little lines coming off of it those are all the lives that you've lived are living will live like all sim simultaneously existing coming out of that source it, it, listen you guys it this is this is an it I won't say it's a challenging question to ask, but a challenging question to answer because we, you know, again, we talk, time isn't linear and we don't really know exactly. And there are multi-dimensions and the multiverse and all that stuff. So, but I mm -hmm. would say mm -hmm. that, um, you know, uh, the idea of a soul waiting souls aren't just waiting around like uh, Beetlejuice, right. In that, in that, um, waiting room souls have whole lives on the other side like occupations um that's our true mm -hmm. nature that's who we really are down here on earth this is the avatar we are the avatar so you know yeah it's it's confusing and you know i i really don't have a great answer for you but um you know um we're a spiritual being having a human exactly. experience exactly yeah and yes, it could technically, technically, if you want to think of it on a timeline, I guess it could exist all at once. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or, or at least your soul is experiencing it all right. at once. I think that's probably the best way to say it. Yeah. Julie asks, I believe our loved ones look over us, send us messages and messengers. Um, if you're able to recognize it, the same as our guides and spirits or, or our guides and angels. So maybe a spirit chooses not to re reincarnate for several lifetimes. So what do you think? Yeah, I think that's true. And then I think also remember um, when we talked about ancestral veneration, there are spirits that don't get to be ancestors. So they don't get to do right. that and send you messages. Because like, like, you know, you don't want like your creepy great uncle uh -uh. sending you messages. Like no. why? 
No, <laughs> you know, no. right? <laughs> Stay out of my head. Creepy. Creepy. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so only certain uh, family members, the ones obviously that you would need, like the guidance that we, you would require that your soul would benefit from having. Those are the ones that you're going to get. But because again, going back, like Joe said, you are being guided by their higher self. You're being guided or, or you're sent being sent messages from that person's higher self. So yeah, for, I guess for all you know, their soul, a part of their soul could have been reincarnated already but their higher self could still able to send you messages. And the higher self is infinite. So a higher self, yeah. one oversoul, that's what they're called, the oversoul. One oversoul can have multiple souls incarnate at the same time. That's what the concept of twin flames are, two pieces of the same oversoul. But also there can be mm -hmm. multiple, um, you know, we could have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We don't know, right? But it all yes. aligns with that whole multidimensional, um, you know, quantum theory, which all of this is really based in. You know, and in the next yes. life, I'm going to come back as a quantum quantum scientist so I can really um, explain all of it. <laughs> Understand right, <and> exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing that that was interesting that um, you're talking about sort of popped up is that. Um, um, Ancestors? I hate it when this happens. All right, well, it's gone. It's gone. It's completely gone. And it was just... Is it your edible? No. I, I specifically did not take an edible before taping so oh, that I wouldn't okay. be stoned and stupid. Um, <laughs> and I've, tried, I've reached to go take it like several times. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> um, I'm going to after though because I'm going to go make jewelry. But I can't. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So, All right. So... Um, Thank you so much for your questions. Thank you for posing them. Um, we love that. Um, um, keep them coming if you have more. There's still the post is still up in the group. Um, lastly, to wrap this up, um, on my end, um, I want to throw out some recommendations. So, if you want to learn more about life after death, I recommend the book "My Life After Death: A Memoir from Heaven" by Eric Medus. Um, I will post a link and all of that in the show notes so you can go right to it. But this is a cool book because it's channeled by a medium and it's a really good read and it's written in Eric's own words, which means there are plenty of appropriately placed cuss words, which makes it relatable for me. But it's cool because so Eric is um, was a young man who he took his own life. And, um, he talks about that, what it was like. He talks about what death feels like, what it looks like. He talks about, it's literally one of the coolest books that I've ever read on about life on the other side or the, the experience of death. So check it out. Um, I'm going to actually read an excerpt from chapter five when Eric tells us what a life review is like. And for those of you that don't know, a life review is when you stand in front of your spirit guides and you look at you know, the life that you've just led. So this is a quote. Mm -hmm. Once the six spirits had shown up, I knew I had entered the next step on whatever journey this was. I was a little scared, but I also felt ready. They told me that I was about to enter my life review and my immediately thought was, what the fuck is that? All of a sudden... <laughs> Everything from when I was a tiny, tiny baby to the moment I died, the good, the bad, and the ugly came flying at me from all directions. What followed was intense, to say the least. As my entire life unfolded before me, I was not only experiencing every single moment I had ever lived, but I was also observing and feeling what everybody else in my life went through in mm. reaction to whatever I said or did to them. Girl, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> oh. I felt their joy, their hurt, their disappointment, shit like that. I saw the reactions to when I lied, when I withheld my feelings, when I didn't help somebody who needed me, when I was mean, when I gave too much, and when I gave too little. I also got to see mm. and feel all the good things I said and did too. Seeing how everyone chose to interact with my choices was fucking powerful. Not only could I feel the emotions they had in response to my actions, but I could actually see things from their perspective. It was like I was them. I got everything down to the smallest little detail all experienced simultaneously. 
I wasn't in control of the review. I couldn't change it. And I couldn't fast forward or rewind through any of it. Right. Okay. So that's the power of that, which was, wasn't, it's not the entire thing. I just, I had to paraphrase it because, you know, but, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, the power of that is why I chose that topic. And I'm here. He's weird. I'll tell you in a minute. Hold on. Thank you. Thank you. So the, um, but that is the writing style. And this book is probably one of the best books I've ever read. All right. So I have to tell you guys live when I was reading this just now to you guys, I felt his presence. He popped in, he stepped in and he was like, Hey man, what are you doing? And then afterwards, once I was explaining how powerful that book was, I heard, um, Uh a high pitched download and that was him. So he's actually, I never met him. I don't know who he is. His name is Eric. I just found this book, but because I was in that energy and I'm so hyped about it and it was such a beautiful, um, he's, he's saying hello. So from him personally, he's saying hello right now. Hi everybody. What's his His name? name? It's Eric Meduse. Um, Meduse. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but, um, how you spell it, you spell it M E D H U S. Oh yeah. He passed away October 6, 2009. Yeah. Uh, Eric's main occupation is as a spirit guide who helps those who struggle with their human experience. So there he was. He just, he just popped in and said hello. And so that's lovely. I love that. Um, I'm going to see if I can connect with him later and get more information from him, but that was really cool. That was probably one of the coolest channeling experiences I've ever had or medium spirit experiences (sighs) I've ever had. And it happened live. (laughs) That's cool. It seems like that's what he does all the time. So. Um, anyway, so that's what you can expect from this book. And it jives with the info that consistently comes out of the Akashic records. And so that's another reason why I'm so pulled. Um, and you can actually buy the book, but I found it online. So I'm, um, I'm, I've been reading it, but, um, I'm going to buy the book because there's some missing chapters that they've took out for some reason. I don't know. Anyway, so I also have other recommendations if you're interested in learning more about this topic. Um, anything by Dolores Cannon is great. Um, Dr. Yeah. Brian Weiss, uh, Rob Schwartz, or Michael Newton, all very, very good authors giving very good information. And again, I'll um, link you to their um, books in um, the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. And remember that Dolores Cannon was not a medium. Mm-mm. All her work was just coming out of hypnosis, hypnosis from thousands, hundreds of clients and all basically giving her the same yes. stories. And it's QHHT hypnosis, which is quantum hypno hip quantum H something hypnotherapy or something like that. But it's quantum. So again, she's working in that quantum field. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's QHHT. I just don't remember what it stands for. But All right, everyone. That means it's time to say goodbye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share on your stories, subscribe, and leave us a review. This helps our podcast grow and bring you these weekly episodes absolutely free. Thank you again for hanging out with us today for this fun conversation. Um, As always, stay mystical, magical, and don't let anybody tell you what to do. Unless it's your spirit guides, then you'll want to do that. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.